0: This is the final word story time. We uh, missed out on doing this last week because we were, you know, in Pakistan and trying to Get ready for a test match and all of the rest of it, but here we are from Karachi. It is story time eighty-two with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins, the cricket history show where we go back through the meandering halls of time. Uh, hello, Adam, and welcome.
1: Hello, we're back. Um, I feel like we got right on top of things with story time for about three editions there yep. between uh, the Ashes and Pakistan, and we've uh, we haven't slipped so much as we've had to take that forced break last week. It just didn't seem realistic when we were um, working bonkers hours to be able to do the research required to um, deliver one of these shows but yes uh, we have now and I'm glad we're back on track and all things being equal uh, there won't be any further uh, delays in the schedule that we've laid out.
0: Uh, this show gets gets made by suggestions and, and gets funded by people on Patreon, and we're at about six hundred and fifty ish at the moment. And we were discussing what our next target should be, and uh, we were thinking maybe eight hundred. Go for Muralitharan's Test wickets record. I've had some suggestions come through. Uh, Dono is suggesting we go for something a bit closer first. Uh, Mike Valletta's total runs for Australia yes. six ninety one, very good. <laughs> yeah, Dono Dono was great with this. Get he Heather Knight's Test runs, which is six.
1: Ninety-seven Ashton Agar's total runs for Australia, which was seven hundred eight, which I think was also Dono's tribute to Shane Warne at the time. Uh, which is so that's going to go up, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, it could well do. He, he might be getting an opportunity to play at Karachi this week. Time will tell. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, you will know whether Ashton Agar uh, has uh, got a chance to add more test runs to his tally. Elise Perry's test runs for Australia, she's on 7.52. Hopefully that's on the rise. And Betty Wilson uh, in that same category, 8.62. So some pretty good mm. pretty good options there. I think we were kind of just hoping for something better than Marouli. And all of those are. It's about where we set the... Set the benchmark We've got some others too Other well, ideas Well I, look
0: I, Okay I think I think that Betty Wilson is a great shout, but that's where we should go after Morley. So let's let's see if we can get Morley first. Then we'll try to track down Betty Wilson. Uh, Nidge has suggested the number of first-class catches by Wally Hammond, <laughs> eight hundred and twenty. And if there's one thing we know, it's what Wally Hammond was very good at catching things. Well, well, Richard Jansmore built on that. He he saw that and said, well, what
1: about the number of STDs Wally Hammond caught, which would be in excess of eight twenty. So I like where you're going there. Uh, Pete B also wanted some other Wally Hammond stats, his trysts while on tour, which is in. Uh, He thought uh, Cameron replied that it's going to be a very awkward conversation between Ancestry.com and us if we try and work out <laughs> any more to do with uh, Wally Hammond. But I we'll think see. that
0: was when we suggested there might be a class action from Wally Hammond's descendants um, oh, because there'll yes, be so many yes, of them yes. coming after us. And Glenn Finkeld has gone with uh, 1,009 so that we can finally get the better of Pranav Dhanawade who, who made the, uh, the the 1,009 in the schoolboy match so all of those in the future um, look 800's a long way away but geez it would be nice to get there one day Let's uh, let's do the thing that we do on the show. Yes, let's
1: do that, Jeff. Uh, we have new numbers to solve and we're going to solve them via the medium of... A
0: nerd pledge. Nerd pledge. Yes, we're in a very carpeted room so I can let loose. Uh, it's a game <laughs> that we accidentally invented with the help of Philip Ming. It's a game that the people on the Patreon page play with us. Here's how it works. They fund the show by sending us contributions, but those are not contributions in a normal denomination of currency. They're in a very specific one because their number relates to cricket in some way, and we don't know how. We have to work out what it means. First up, a double header, two cabs pulling off the rank together. <laughs> Uzair Khan and Ross, a river fever Davy, having sent through 1.42 in AUD each. Yeah, Uzaya, uh, this is timely
1: because we've been emailing quite a bit. We're going to catch up in Lahore next week. He's flying over for the third test match. Oh, really? That's worked out perfectly. He's
0: got a clue for you,
1: Jeff. Uh, It reads as follows. The pledge I've sent relates to a particular player and his, her record in that particular format. So close yet so far, describes the record, and you either die as a hero or you live long enough to be a villain describes the player with fans and he built on this and said he can see how he might be talking about Kohli there but he stresses that he's not he continues I'm one of those who is wanting to see him score a ton now even though my origins are from the other side of the border drawn arbitrarily by Mountbatten it's not Kohli it's a lot closer to home
0: right so we're looking at Pakistan uh, because initially my other thought had been Yuvraj Singh Based on, you you know, you either uh, die as a hero or you live long long enough to be a villain, Yuvraj Singh in the T20 World Cup final of 2014. You may remember, Adam, he made 11 off 21 balls. Yes, that's right. Uh, Coley was batting like a god that day and Yuvraj could not hit the ball. Uh, His career strike rate in T20s dropped three runs during that innings and only four games later it came down to 142, which would have been the nerd-pledged number, but not close enough, and also wrong side of the border. So this indicates I need to look at Pakistan. I couldn't come up with any Pakistan women's players who became villains. I don't think the game has had the profile for that to happen. There are so many Pakistan men's players who have become villains. This is a country that chews them up and spits them out. Um, And so I was trying to track down a 142, Adam. The first thing I was thinking, there's a bit in the clue that says not close enough, and I thought, Miss Bol Haq one day international cricket never uh, made 100. Yes. Nearly did, he made a 96 not out, but he was he was always the one doing the graft work in the middle order for Pakistan down at 5 or 6 or something when the top order had fallen apart uh, and so for his trouble he got nicknamed tuktuk, you know, the little auto rickshaws that <laughs> like putter along at about four kilometres an hour um, because they all thought that he scored too slowly and you really got the sense that he was sticking it up everybody at Abu Dhabi when he made that 56-100 ball in the test match in 2014 as if to say, I can score runs if I want, I'm just choosing not to.
1: Yeah, happy times. We went through that the other week, didn't we, on Storytime, that He got so close about five times to... Yeah to a one-day 100, but it didn't detract from what ended up being
0: quite an excellent 50-over uh, career. Well, yeah, he made 10 test hundreds but never got there in one-day cricket. So his top 10 scores in one-day cricket were all between 76 and 96. Nine of the 10 were not out. So he was always there at the end and just, just didn't quite get time to get over the line. So he was a perfect candidate, but he played 162 one-day matches, not 142. And also uh,
1: he didn't become a villain. I think that might rule him out, too. Like,
0: Mizbar as coach might have been seen, not as a villain, but, but... people definitely got stuck into him when he was captain. Like, there was a Did lot they? of... there was Yeah, there was a lot of anti Mizbar stuff from okay. inside Pakistan. I didn't
1: detect that because he took him to the top of the world in 2016 and retired in 2017. Yeah, but it was even, more the few years the before windows. that.
0: Like, the because he took over in 2010... Um, you know, when they were shambles, true. People were grateful for about a year, and then they got stuck into him for about three years, and then they went to number one okay. in the rankings. So he was—I think—he was appreciated a lot more outside Pakistan than inside. Quite um, possibly, yeah. you know, not by everybody, but there was certainly a, a vocal component. So nothing there. ...living long enough to become a villain. I thought, what about the old boys? What about Muhammad Hafiz and Shaul Malik? Who oh, were, yes. Shaul Malik,
1: who's still dominating the PSL. Made his yeah. international debut in 1999. I this know. guy's going to end up playing until he's 60. Anyway. <laughs> he's fit enough to play till he's 60.
0: <laughs> well, Hafiz officially retired two months ago... Did a- he? ...after finishing Did in We the-
1: missed this. Yeah, yeah. why well, miss this. Yeah.
0: he. Um, well, he finished up in the T20 World Cup... ...and then pulled the pin in January... ...announced okay. his formal Pakistan retirement... In, ...in January, on the day of recording remembering that our number is 142 we're trying to find. He's 41 years and 142 days old. (laughs) (laughs) But it's definitely not the number unless Zahra Khan has has some ability to see into the future and knew when his pledge was coming up. Also Hafiz's highest one-day score is 140, not 142 show of Malik's highest one day score 143. Ah, oh, you're toying with me. And then I thought Safraz Ahmed who got a lot of stick uh, when he as as <laughs> as a captain, as a wicketkeeper, as as a batsman, whatever. 142 I'm looking for. He took 146 test catches, oh. not 142. Um, and I looked for some some people who were more literally sort of involved in villainy at times in Selman but Muhammad Asif, Muhammad Amir, Salim Malik, but no one for twos for the sports betting enthusiasts. So I don't know. It was uh, I've given it I've given it a a burl. I've done my best, um, but but I have not found your number. You can send us a message and uh, move us closer to the answer. Okay, good. Well, uh,
1: at least we'll get the chance to solve that in person with him. In all probability, uh, yes. between now and and uh, when we yeah uh, uh, next recording story time, uh, Ross River Fever uh, Davy is next. He was part
0: of the 142 double header. He also had a clue, Jeff. There are two answers to this. He says, "Is that allowed?" Well, I, I guess we can't stop you. Um, the first is from a game. I remember in my youth, which was controversial and historic. The other is closer to home for you both. It's esoteric, but if the dollar value in New Zealand dollars of Hadley's car gets in then this should qualify (laughs) that is one of the absolute miracle ones that I ever managed to work that out the 142 was from a test in the early 70s about the time I became aware of test cricket it's not difficult but I would like to hear the backstory to what happened to the player in question
1: yeah so that's where I've gone with it Ross Uh, you know controversial and historic match from the uh, 70s that had a big effect on a player let's just cut straight to the car chase on this one Uh, it's going to almost certainly be about John Benno's 142 at Melbourne against Pakistan uh, over New Year in 1972 73 when he'd already been dropped. Yes, that's right. He made 142 in a test match after he'd already been dropped. Let me explain. Now, of course, he's the brother of Richie. Uh, 13 years his junior. Um, And he was playing in his second test match uh, and he records this sparkling, aggressive century. He made his test debut the previous week in Adelaide uh, batting at number six and made 24 across 100 minutes. So he was clearly kind of capable at that level. That was the immediate evidence, you know. A solid start, far from horrible. An easy win for Australia. They don't change the winning team. And as I say, he goes and makes 100 in this second test match at Melbourne, which is the next test in the series. So... He makes 13 in the first innings out of Australia's 441 for five declared. And then they name their squad for the next test match. So between Australia batting in the first innings and the second innings, Benno's discarded. And then Pakistan walk out and make 547 for eight declared. Jesus. And the game's drifting somewhat, so they elevate him up to number three and then he tees off in anger and records this, as I say, dazzling century by all reports. That's all... How is it, is it just because the schedule was so packed? I mean, at that it must point? have been. I don't know why they,
0: I guess it's just if they're playing over New
1: Year's. Yeah, there must have just been
0: rest days and rest all that days and, and
1: whatever else. So he, he had a bit of Evidence of what he could do from uh, having turned out in the, the rest of the world matches that weren't test status the previous year. So it wasn't like he just played one game for Australia and that's mm. it. But but nevertheless, 142 from 207 balls inside four hours with a couple of sixes. And think about how rare that was at the MCG mm. uh, in 72, 73. I mean, you know, that was the full boundary with bats. Uh, you know, not many people were able to do it. He yeah. did it twice. Australia smacked 425 in less than a day to completely open up the game on the final day. So because of Benno, they were able to set 293 on day five, and then they win the bloody test match. They bowl out Pakistan for 200. Wow. And there it is. And Benno's, you know, as important to that victory as anybody. Now... I think the reason he got squeezed was they played five bowlers uh, in that match with Marsh, the late Rob Marsh, batting at six. So when they were wanting to bring back Ross Edwards and Keith Stackpole for the following test match, he was dumped along with Jeff Thompson um, so they could make room for the batsman, but also for for John Watkins. That was Johnny Watkins' test match the week
0: after at Sydney that Jim Maxwell has often
1: told us about. He, He does get back in the team. So they. I saw Shane
0: Warne reference that in the, the, I, I spoke on the um, the previous show about the the interview that he gave about his first test match and how he was just worried about getting through it and, and that was his reference. He goes, "I didn't want to have a Johnny Watkins."
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it, well, as we know, Johnny Watkins was there at the end for the winning runs, but you know, yeah. six overs where, as Jim will often say, he didn't hit the card strip too often. Um, the fifth test in the West Indies the following April, so you know four months on, he gets on the tour and he gets a test match. And it's the last test of the series. Gets 8 and 36, chasing quick declaration runs. So, you know, he's done his job 36 in a hurry. And then that's it. Hmm. Dumped again, never to return. He was thought of as a great captain, just like his brother at shield level for New South Wales, which contributed to him getting that national selector gig in the Alan Border era. I wonder whether there's some symmetry with what George Bailey's doing now and even to an extent Tony Dotter made, but Bailey mm. especially, players who are unlucky when in the team and thus are seen as appropriate people to select teams um, when they're finished up as cricketers. So he did um, have a long and distinguished career as a selector. And like his brother too, he was a proper journalist, not a pretend journalist like what we do for a living. He worked for the Sydney Sun for years and became the editor of the paper. Um, so he was a legitimate... Right giant in the Sydney media and when he moved back to write about cricket, he did so in the 90s um, for The Australian and wrote the sort of definitive book about being a selector, Matters of Choice it was called. I haven't read it, but Daniel Brady talks about it all the time as, like, this masterpiece. So, Hmm. um, yeah, it was an important contribution to the literature, as they say, and, yeah, seen by many as the book that uh, that unravels the the, the mystery behind uh, how selection works. And a a little bit of a a story time nugget here. 20 Years Between Daboos is the second longest for brothers. Uh, The longest... (laughs) His final word favourite, Rockley Wilson, uh, who debuted in 1921, 22 years behind his brother, the Reverend Clem Wilson in 1899. (laughs) The same series, of course, where Wilfred Rhodes began, Victor Trumpet began, and WG Grace finished. So uh, that's going to be the number. Uh, Thank you to... Ross River Fever, Davy uh, for the 142 and the story
0: of John Benno. Rockley Wilson. So he was he debuting in England in 21, Rockley Wilson? I yeah, I, I think
1: that must be the case because Australia were in England in 1921, so it would stand to reason that
0: that's when Rockley got his opportunity, belatedly, yeah. well, I say belatedly, just many, many years after his brother. Many years. Well, yeah, well, because you're talking about the significance of the series when his brother debuted, that means Rockley Wilson's debuting when Warwick Armstrong uses a pace bowling opening partnership yes, for the first, first time, time in test yeah, cricket with yeah. uh, McDonald and Gregory so all
1: right that's a good start know? to the show i reckon 142 uh, let us know how we have gone the uh, second number up today is 231 231 in the AUD from Anna Peterson the hint jeff
0: bring them back bring them back now this is a this hits a, a quirk with our show where um, adam and i are worse at remembering what we've said on our own show than many of the people who listen to it we, we get people are sending through messages
1: on on i say people great people on our discord page mm. you say i've listened to that episode a number mm. of times and i haven't been able to dive into this since we arrived in pakistan but there's an amazing project taking place right now where patrons of ours are going back through and listening to old story times to do a proper full database of every nerd pledge pledge ever and they're going to try and wash that over the top of the database that you keep Uh and they're going to have this masterful thing me, on the other hand, I've listened to about 10 story times so after recording them. I rarely have time to go back to them. I wish I did because I love listening to it when I can to hear how it sounds. But, yeah, that that, that is probably why this is a, a tougher clue than it might sound, Anna.
0: Yeah, I just gibber so much that I don't remember anything that I've said. It's all just white noise to me. But um, so, so look, I was like, bring them back. What if we campaign to bring back lots of things, clearly. We've campaigned for a lot of things. Um, we have. You know, Peter Siddle Day, uh, Order of Australia for Rob Moody. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> They both went well. <laughs> Look, there are on the back burner. We, we've okay.
1: campaigned for um, running out the non-striker, the mancad yes. to be tr- dealt with better, and we completely forgot to mention that on the weekly show. Mm-hmm. To be fair, we were. It was an unusual weekly show. We might yep. go into that in a bit more depth next week. Uh, but campaign
0: for the f- automation of the front foot no ball. We did that's, do that. uh, that's been successful. Tick, tick. box tick. Things to bring back. The first thing I could think of was bring back Dino because obviously our Dean bring Jones tribute show was titled Bring Back Dino. But it's plural,
1: isn't it? Bring them
0: yeah, back. Yeah. Well
1: then again, them can be used. Yeah. There's there's no reason bring them back can't be right for Dino as well. Bring them
0: back. Um, yeah, that's true. That's and true. And and also I mean, maybe if, if Anna was very and it could be like Shane Moore and Dean Jones are both gone. Bring it back. Bring it yeah, back. Yeah. Um I like that. Bring back, bring back, bring back the rest. That was another thing we wanted to do: is bring back the team called the rest. That um, bring back
1: the rest. Bring back the fucking rest day.
0: Yeah, bring back the rest day. <laughs> back rest day.
1: I could do with the rest day <laughs> returning. Yeah. There was this great quote during the week, which I was listening to, a warning tribute on SCN during our broadcast. It was a rain delay at Rawpinnies, so mm-hmm. I just put the cans on and and listened in, and and there, there was an anecdote. Um, that was being uh, told about Merv Hughes and Shane Warne and Mourney asks Merv oh England 93 oh what's it gonna what's it gonna be like and Merv goes well put it this way when sponsored by a beer company the poms are rubbish and we still have rest days it's the best tour in the world <laughs> <laughs> so if anything sums up the two great Victorians it's that we can get on the lash we can pump the poms and we can have a breather on the way through <laughs>
0: um, yeah the rest day I wouldn't mind remember Vic Marks telling us about being the correspondent for the observer not for the guardian the observer yes. so he had to file once a week file one piece a week for the weekend and would go on a tour to Australia and write once a week what a dream right bring back the smokers versus the non-smokers games yes um, I, I think that even though the world is moving on we'd still turn out a pretty decent 11 for the smokers <laughs> but, but bring back the Parsis I say I've been reading a lot about
1: the pentangulas in Bombay mm-hmm. and in Karachi the last few days getting ready for this mm-hmm. test match and the pentangulars that included the Hindus the Muslims the Europeans the the yep. uh, the Hindus, the Muslims, the Europeans the Parsis and the rest, so we've dealt with the rest but the Parsis are a fascinating Mm. story which uh, Brat Sander was giving me a Bit of insight okay. as to how they uh, no longer ended up being quite the presence they were. In fact, that that could be a conversation in and of itself. At some yeah. point, we'll, we'll rope Barat in to talk about that because he written about it years ago. But uh-huh. yeah, I want to bring them back
0: as well as the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring back, bring back the Biff. That's what you usually get on those <laughs> like rugby league VHS tapes or whatever they are. Yeah, um, there hasn't mean a lot of. BIF. Bring back the gold helmets. Bring back the gold. This helmet. is
1: Adam White mostly, but yeah. Adam White and me to an extent. But bring back the Aussie gold helmets in one day cricket
0: and the. Band Baggy gold caps.
1: Baggy gold caps. The Dino Dino wanted that, didn't he? Mm. Dino was keen on the baggy golds coming mm. back, but the baggy that the, the the gold helmets for one day cricket canary yellow. Didn't they do it at a World Cup or something? Didn't they do it somewhere for one series or one tournament? And they got our hopes up, and then they and they and they dashed maybe. them. Maybe I, I feel mean, like we, or maybe we just got ahead of ourselves and thought they were coming I feel back. Like
0: they were going to because we saw someone in one. Something maybe like it was that. a maybe. Maybe it was... Uh, I have this vague memory. Of maybe it was someone like in the nets, but they were wearing their Chennai Super Kings Yeah, one yeah, that could like be it.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I really loved... We talked about it on, in the Warney tribute show, but with Warney running down to Bay 13 in the gold helmet, they've just got to do it this summer, Australia. They've just got to get everything right with the Warney stuff and gold helmets could be roped into that. Yeah. And even going to the Lightning Bolt uniform... The Lightning Bolt Lightning Bolt uniforms that yeah. Warney wore at the G in 93, 94. And, you know, I told you about the day-nighter there. Mm. I mean unbelievable. That would be Awesome, mm-hmm. and gold helmets are right in the middle of
0: that for the naming ceremony of the stands, yeah, perhaps just yeah. like like the you know the the Qantas uh, choir, but they're all wearing gold helmets, <laughs> something like that. Um, bring back the Marsh brothers, um, yes. keen on that. Um, to just just sort of for 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 humour's sake. Uh, bring back Australian cricket to Pakistan. Tick tick done that. Tick that Osh. box. The only two thirty one. I was just thinking about the gold helmets thing. And two thirty one. Two thirty one is what. Oh, I talked about this on Storytime a few months ago, which was why it came to mind. 2.31 is what Australia got bowled out for in a one dayer in Perth in 1988 when New Zealand beat them by one run. The Australians were chasing. Right. Martin Sneddon yes. bowls Mike Whitney with one run to tie and two to win and wins the match. Okay. And this comes, oh, how many days would it have been? The match was January 3rd, I reckon, so it must be like, Three or four days after Mike Whitney's blocked out the uh-huh, test Danny match Morrison. at the MCG yeah. <laughs> and and drawn the test, drawn the Boxing Day test, and then there he is again. He's about to deny them another match. He's about to win this game for them with the bat, and that he gets uh, gets resold by Martin Snedden. Um, New Zealand made two thirty two. Australia made two thirty one. Okay. Uh, one of the great one day internationals that was the 231 so Anna that's my that's my offering for you Uh, I've got no idea but if you want to help me out in the messages uh, feel free
1: and that's the best thing about this show we do big Big rounds of revisits from time to time, and we can uh, give you a number, a second spin. Thank you, Anna Peterson. Uh, next up, 158 in the Euros from
0: Ruto. Ah, uh, Ruto.
1: Ah, he was a mad uh, Ruto.
0: He was
1: a mad Ruto. <laughs> we can forgive him for everything. Warney he was a mad Ruto, wasn't he? And we forgave him for fucking everything. <laughs> so appropriate it comes up this week.
0: Alas, poor Ruto. Uh, there's a clue. He says when Jeff did the county cricket blog last northern summer. That's true. I did the the live blog for the Guardian. He said, I was a bit starstruck and promised I'd get a pledge in as soon as I caught up on the episodes. (laughs) I couldn't resist a theme because you were so kind as to name a recent story time after my adopted hometown. My pledge relates to my adopted home country and their greatest cricketing achievement though the number itself is not very positive. It's fairly well known but there must be some dusty stories in there.
1: Yeah, so what I first did was um, start trawling through our old episode titles and try and work out what part of the world that Ruto might be from. I sense that it could be European if mm-hmm. he was up talking to you on the uh, Guardian County blog. crops mm-hmm. we can't be far away from that starting again, can oh. we? The, the season starts, I think, like April oh, no. eight or something like that, um, which I'm happy about. I Very mean, you know, stuff. I'm not I'm not happy that I'm I'm not happy that I'll be straight back into you know the next thing after this, but I'll be ready to sit at Lords in the freezing cold come April, I'm sure. So, Adopted Hometown, Storytime 68 was about drug choppers in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought maybe he's on the Hollywood Hills, but that was in November. I was looking at November because that's when I think he probably made his pledge. That's mm-hmm. you know, a deduction here. Uh, there was nothing else about a place in and around New Year's 2022. Actually, that's when Ruto joined. I've got a note here. He joined us right on New Year. Okay. So I thought, well, what about a few months back? There's uh, in October... Um, there 's the gentleman of Philadelphia that uh-huh. was story time sixty six yep now i 'm like, well, look no further, surely it 's a gentleman of Philadelphia, surely uh-huh. this is some reference to Philadelphia. Philadelphian
0: cricket Philadelphian. Uh-huh. Bruce Springsteen cream cheese, you know yeah. <laughs> put them together <laughs> ideally <laughs> uh,
1: i kept I kept scrolling story time sixty four was the Norcross New Hampshire story uh-huh. um, and th- then then at last. Storytime oh, 64, yes. one week after that, the Dublin scorecard mystery. Right. This was in relation to Maddie Green and the run that she oh, made yes. when Amelia Kerr made her 232. Yes. Whether what, it was what Maddie's score was or what the team score was? What well, the yeah. team score was, and it was solved by whether a combination of Craig Easedown, who runs <laughs> comms and marketing for Cricket Island, or Andrew Sampson, one or the other. I think both of them I think Craig came through with for the goods. Well, oh, he had the scorecard, didn't he? Because we had to
0: get the official one. It was whether they made 491 or 492 something like that. We were talking about Bharat
1: Sanderson a minute ago and, and, and learning more about Parsi Cricket. He's just walked in the door of our hotel room. By that I mean I'm in your room mm-hmm. and you're staying with Bharat and Bharat's walked into his room. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it's a story for another time.
0: Can I also note that I uh, noticed in the shower uh, Bharat is a um, is a purchaser of the Himalaya uh, product range of face washers that Virat Kohli promoted with <laughs> Rishabh Pant. So <laughs> <laughs> Himalaya. <laughs> What's the other thing? That uh, ever- walking like a dude, feeling That's all right. cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So where are we, Ruto? So it worked. It worked. Ruto, we're going to go with the Dublin scorecard mystery because you were in the county blog. I'm just guessing you're in in The pledge is in Euros. It's in in Euros. Euros. That's
0: the other thing. So No one in Hollywood's pledge in Euros. Or
1: Philadelphia, for that matter. Uh, Island cricket in 158. Look, to be honest with you, there isn't loads. It's nothing to do with the the St. Patrick's Day miracle. It's nothing to do with the Chinnaswamy miracle. They
0: like miracles. They do like miracles. Uh, it's nothing Irish. to do
1: with their first test match in Patrick Got in, rid of all the snakes. Out of Ireland. <laughs> um,
0: 158 <laughs> snakes. That's how many there were. Well, 158 runs
1: uh, uh-huh. does relate to Ireland and specifically the lowest total that they've been involved in in a one-day international. So, Jeff, you ended up having a, a trawl through this and found it for me. This was the last game of the Super Eights in the 2007 World Cup. So, of course, they beat Pakistan to get this get the party started. Mm. They beat Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Just
0: before that, Just yeah. Just before that. I think they were already knocked Zin- out of the Super 8s when they beat. Like they were, you know, they'd lost their first few games in yeah. the Super and Hatch. after they... But they tied Zimbabwe. Tied Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe that's And they right. beat... Uh, and so their win and their tie came in the group and that got them through to the Super 8s where that's they didn't it. go so well for a while. Then they beat Bangladesh and then this is their last game, which they're hoping to finish on a high against Sri Lanka and they get bowled out for 77. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't end on a particularly high note. So I think that's in keeping with the clue. Yes.
1: If it's something else to do with Irish cricket
0: or indeed... No, I, I think this is it because... It, because he says it's not a positive number in itself, but I think the clue's trying to lead us back to the 07 World Cup. Yeah, so okay. Sri Lanka make 81 for two in the chase, which means that the total runs across the completed match is 158.
1: It's just such a grim thing to bring up. Why do you want to remind us of this, Rudo? I don't know. It might be. It might be. You know. It might be Dutch cricket. Maybe. It might be Dutch cricket. It could. I don't know, but we don't have a Dutch title in the show.
0: No, we don't have a Dutch title. That's I think a, it has to be problem. Ireland for this reason. Uh, uh, Jeremy Bray top scored with 20 in that innings. Uh, Favis Maruf was the player of the match with four for 25. We're going to say yeah. goodbye to Brett for the time being, by the way. I s- also want
1: to know whether you guys ever got uh, my pledge right. Am I enjoying your Patreon?
0: Uh, he wants to know whether we got his pleasure. We haven't come to your pleasure yet. There yet. Right? You're in the queue. It Ta- takes us about three months there's to get no, there. No,
1: um, there's no uh, special treatment for our mates. No. no. There should be. Once
0: you do, you'll
1: have a on me. We'll see you downstairs for dinner, mate.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, We're going out to a. Um, wh- who's the journalist who's taking us out tonight, right? Faisan
0: Lahani. Faisan Lahani.
1: Who's the king of Karachi, as he was introduced to me today. Okay. So he's going to take us out and see what we can find later on. Thanks, right. Baz.
0: Well, we've already met the YouTube king of Islamabad, uh, Rizwan Haider, So we're, there's a lot of kings going around in this this part of the world. Um, 1990s time for the guru, <laughs> the guru of Islamabad and <laughs> YouTube. I will also say it was a it was a great day for Dave Langford Smith because he got Kumar Sangakkara out. Um, <laughs> Dave Langford Smith's figures in this game: three overs, one for 29. Got Kumar. <laughs> got Kumar. Throwing a kettle over a pub, <laughs> more than I've ever done. So so I, I feel like this is... I think wonder this if
1: Kumar was on the gas the night before, mm. just laying into the bottles
0: of red and all the
1: rest of the thing. I'm playing Ireland tomorrow. <laughs> where, where did Sri Lanka finish? They, they came over and run, they, they made
0: the final. Made the final. In the dark. In the dark. Got beaten by a squash ball. Well, yes. Adam Gilchrist that, that. beat him with a squash ball <laughs> in his glove. We're meandering here, Jeff. We're meander- look, we can we
1: can meander when we're sitting
0: together. We can't meander when we're down a Zoom no. screen. So enjoy it. So, look, the, I think the point is that the one fifty eight was probably an attainable number in euros right. for Ruto, and thus this brought us to the 07 World Cup, where okay. we have to remember that Ireland had a wonderful time. They overachieved, uh, and they and they also <laughs> ruined the um, the sixteen team format <laughs> along with Bangladesh yes. uh, by knocking out a couple of the bigger teams. They, uh,
1: they did do that, and as that pre game talk went on St. Patrick's Day when they beat Pakistan by Trent Johnston you know Mm -hmm. what do you want to do do you want to go back and be a postman do you want to go back and be a Bank clerk, you want to stay in the West Indies for another month. And and so they did when mm. when beating the Pakistani team on that day. Right, so that's the end of uh, Ruto's number for now at least, 158. Let us know how we've gone. Uh, we have a double header with 258. It's in two different currencies as well. Jeff, you're going to go first. So we've got Danny Strickland and Rahul Venkat, uh GBP and USD mm-hmm. respectively. Uh, for Danny, there's a clue. I live in Headingley and this is my debut pledge. That's also a
0: clue. Danny Strickland, come dancing. All right, here we go. Uh, 258 and Headingley and a debut. Well, obviously the first thing I think of when I think Headingley is Ben Stokes. Yep. And then I remember that Ben Stokes made 258. He, he did do that at Headingley. He, he did, did that awesome. another time in South Africa. <laughs> uh, <didn't> <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you know, that's, that's completely tenuous, but that was the first thing my mind came up with. Uh, also in 2017, Ben Stokes made a ton at Headingley in an innings in which England made 258 which is also tenuous uh, but interesting that's the match where Shy Hope made the twin yes. tons and Craig Braithwaite with Craig with two G's and one K uh, was five runs away from matching that feat he would have had two players with twin tons which has happened what once twice before the Chapel Brothers in the Chapels, and I, maybe that's the only time I don't know of another time um, yeah so so Craig despite the extra G's couldn't get there with the extra five runs. So that was a two-five-eight that was at Headingley. It didn't involve any debuts. However, another team that made 258 at Headingley was Pakistan, and they didn't do that against England. They did that <laughs> against Australia in 2010. So did you know Stephen Smith, <laughs> did you that, know, batted number that series, nine in that game, <laughs> started his career as a leg spinner? Could you believe it? These days... Bats quite a bit. Doesn't bowl much. Very, very interesting. Now that was a debut in that it was the first time Australia had played Pakistan in a Test match at Headingley. True. So you know, it's it, more uh, of it. I say it's it's yeah. Let's let's have it. Let's just randomise it. We go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sure. India playing Pakistan. They're playing in Christchurch. Yes. You know? Australia is playing
1: Zimbabwe, and they are going to play in, in Gross Islet. Gross <laughs> Islet. <Gross-Islet. laughs> Gros Islet. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that Saint Lucia for an mm-hmm. Australia Zimbabwe Test match. Yeah. One. <laughs> Not. Most agreeable. Get,
0: get get down on the beach. So, so look, okay, that was a debut and it did involve uh, 258 because that's what Pakistan made. They bowled out Australia for 88 on the first day. Yes. Uh, and then they made 258. In that team, Adam, and this is extra appropriate because we're in Pakistan, Muhammad Amir, <laughs> Muhammad Asif, Danish Canaria, two Akmals, <laughs> Umar, <laughs> uh, Cameron and Umar, And Salmon Butt. That has got to be the most sports betting enthusiast (laughs) 11. And they bowled Australia for 88. (laughs) Yes. And they won the test match, which is more surprising. They actually saw it through, unlike in Sydney. Um, So with all of that sports betting enthusiasm, um, somehow, look, Australia made uh, 349. The top score... With seventy-seven, was Steve Smith? He was batting at number eight. Did do you, at, you know he was batting at number
1: nine? Actually, there was a there was a night watchman. watchman. Oh yeah? He got shuffled down to number nine and made that half century. Okay, it's staggering stuff.
0: Staggering stuff. So uh, that was his second match, not his debut. So look, it could be tenuously related to that, but who knows? The only two for 58 ever taken in tests at Headingley was Jeff Lawson to start the 89 Ashes, polishing off England in the fourth innings when they were chasing heaps. He got David Gower and Robin Smith. Former well, coach
1: of Pakistan, working in Pakistan this Yeah, week.
0: that's yeah. true. The only debut in that test, though, was Greg Campbell. In one-day internationals, Chris Lewis took two for 58 at Headingley in 1990, and that was on Michael Atherton's one-day debut. Um, India in that game took 53 overs to chase 230, take me back, take me back. Uh, Michael Atherton made seven off 18 balls and the only other time it got taken there was Ajit Gurkha in 2007. It's never been taken in women's matches. They have played three tests and one ODI in the women's game at Headingley. The tests are 1954, 1984 and 2001. Bring them back. That's what I'm saying. Bring women's test cricket back to Headingley. They played one ODI in 2018. And Yorkshire made 258 against the Australians in 1886 and made them follow on despite a first innings lead of 89. I don't know how that works, but that's what the scorecard says. That was not Australia's debut at Headingley. I, I hope it's that. I hope it's that.
1: I hope that's where Danny was going. He mm-hmm. wants us to talk about um, when the follow-on was implemented. 89, why would that be? No idea. I can't think of why. There must
0: have been a convention. It was like convention. A two, two- or three-day game. Yeah. Two-day games Two-day game would be 100. It's 100 usually, but it could have
1: bounced around. Danny Strickland, uh, do let us know. Uh, Rahul Mm. Venkat gave me a free swing, and I'm going to indulge in that. I thought initially we can reloop on one of our very first Dobs. He might have been our first DOB, Harry Lee, um, the Middlesex star who was a one-test wonder after being assumed dead uh, in World War One. Mm. A reminder: he spent three days in no man's land, only in, to in, a, be, shell in, a, in shell, a shell hole. Yeah, yeah, then only to be saved and returning to the game. Uh, when he died at ninety, he was the second oldest Test player ever. But no, we'll go in a different direction, Rahul. Uh, some very, very good players have made two hundred and fifty-eight. Um, Bradman did it twice for New South Wales against. South Australia Adelaide in 1930-31 and then again for the touring Australians against Worcestershire at New Road one of my favourite grounds uh, in 1938 Uh, that would have been on the march to his thousand runs in May I'm pretty sure Um, but I'm going to use this as an opportunity to to steer into the life and times of one CB Fry which surprisingly we've never really done No I mean it seems remarkable given this is the ultimate Ideas Man story
0: yeah. There's so many stories around CB Fry. History nerd kind of areas. and in I think time. the main problem is for me, every time I read his name, I think about the character from Futurama <laughs> and I find it very hard to... I can only visualise that character doing the cricket thing. Yeah. Or, or I,
1: Stephen Fry, as it were, another yeah. cricket nut. Um, so he, he was the first person to make 258 in first-class cricket, mm-hmm. uh, and unbeaten uh, for Hampshire, uh, against Gloucestershire at Southampton County Ground in 1911. Now, this game, By the way Deserves some attention Uh, Gilbert Jessup The great Gilbert Jessup Smacked 153 In 110 minutes For the visitors Gloucestershire To start the the match And got them to 317 In just 61 overs Which is like Warp speed in 1911 Gilbert (laughs) Jessup So India in the
0: one day I chased 231 in 53 Yeah, Gilbert Jessup, of course, who's who's uh, later. the man that who
1: twatted it over the pavilion at Lords. Well, into the clock, wasn't it?
0: He, he did, Gilbert. Jessup. Yeah, Harry Trott was Harry the, the one Trott who went over the pavilion, the... And, and
1: Jessup did something equally or Albert Trott, one of the trots. Yeah, Albert Trott, That's it. So. Hampshire apply, and that's where Fry gets his two five eight not out at number four. They get to 594, a very healthy lead of 270-odd or whatever it is. Gloucestershire, the second time around, get 403, match drawn. Jessup completes twin tons. So after getting 153 in 110 minutes in the first innings, he smacks 123 not out in 95 minutes the second time around. Jared Kimber. Hello has written a lot about um, who would be T20 stars if they were around now. I'm pretty sure um, Gilbert Jessup meets the criteria there. Twin tons in 1911, both well quicker than a run a minute. As for Fry, this is towards the end of his England career. So that England career started in 1896. He played uh, 26 times for his country, uh, 1,223 runs with just a couple of centuries. So he wasn't an absolute superstar for England a level down though 94 first class centuries just missing out uh, on, on 100 hundreds 31000 runs at 50 six tonnes in a row in 1901 which will be the record forever as Arlett describes Fry many years later probably the most variously gifted Englishman of any age <laughs> no understatement there he wasn't mm. prone to understatement anyway Arlett. but let's just go through these broader gifts uh, that he enjoyed uh, per Arlett's description in addition to cricket he also played football for England in 1901 as a defender so he's got a football cap for his country uh, he played in an FA Cup final for Southampton the year after that at Wembley he was on the cusp of national selection at rugby union when he was at oxford studying when at oxford uh, he broke the world record for long jump in 1893 (laughs) seven meters 16 and they say that he broke now i haven't got this in front of me but i think he'd add a few when he did it He mm-hmm. had a glass or two Before he probably helped the, the long jump world record mm-hmm. He was also a <laughs> Who likes just hasn't tried Long jump <laughs> yeah. in a park Well <laughs> yes I don't know if we kept that in there When I told the triple I'm the pretty
0: triple, sure
1: you told I took a story out of me Telling Anyway My triple jump Under the influence uh, Didn't get into story time Then It probably shouldn't get into there now uh, So He also went at Oxford Was a <laughs> Record breaking Sprinter High jumper Shot putter Teacher Journalist is the other
0: thing. Record-breaking teacher and journalist. Well, te- yeah,
1: teacher and journalist were what he went into as a professional. He was taken by Ranji when the League of Nations started mm-hmm. after World War One, after Versailles. Okay, uh, Ranji, who was representing India at the League of Nations, said, was he? I'm going to take
0: CB <laughs> Fry
1: as my personal <laughs> advisor, assistant, <laughs> and it was there in Geneva that it was said that he was offered the throne of Albania. <laughs> It was just spare. They just offered it to him. They said, A man of your very talents, you could be the king of. Al- they offered him to be the king of Albania, C.B. Fry. Wow. Which he spoke about that uh, deep into his life. He had three cracks at getting himself elected to the parliament in Westminster, mm. all for the Liberal Party. If you're listening in Australia, the Liberal Party is not that Liberal Party. The Liberal Party then. I suppose it's the modern day Lib Dems Mm -hmm. Uh, and they were quite successful I mean they formed government a number of times around the First World War he didn't ever win but he fell just 100 votes short uh, in a by-election in 1923 he wrote all sorts of books including probably Ranji's The Jubilee Book of Cricket so Ranji wrote it Mm. but they're like "No, we're pretty sure CB Fry wrote it for you under Ranji's name right (laughs) there's a Bit of grey area too, bit of light and shade. He tried his best to try and kill the Nazis with kindness. Uh, so much show that in the 1930s he spent time there trying to bring them into the tent via cricket. He's like, <laughs> you guys should play cricket it was a, I mean it wasn't like it wasn't like a it was an exercise in yeah. I suppose appeasement really let's yeah. call it
0: what it was but um, yeah so he had like some cricket uh, is the way that we will we will bridge our divides that cricket is what will make corporal um, a Hitler get over the first world war Well, I think the idea was that he, he thought
1: that cricket might be something that he thought that Nazi Germany mm. was a big enough country he's like mm. why don't you guys play cricket you'd love mm. it mm. and it could help bring the countries closer together and less likely to end up in conflict wow. okay. he wasn't right <laughs> oh, no. No. on front, although no. as we know about German cricket. They do get there in the end.
0: Well, it's, look, it's interesting that Dan Weston had a bigger influence uh, in, in an area <laughs> yes, than, than CB Fry did. Well put. Well <laughs> put.
1: When Radio Coms started, uh, sure enough, there he was, including uh, broadcasting on the England India Test in 1946, which, uh-huh. as you know, if you've listened to uh, Calling the Shots, that's the first time that John Arlett commentated on Test Cricket when he was plucked from the BBC Asia Network or whatever it was called at the time. He wanted to be a star in Hollywood. And this is a bit dark as well. He wanted to be a star in Hollywood, but he carried around with him some pretty significant mental health demons, uh, according to uh, reports at the time. Um, but, so he never kind of quite went through with that. Also, he was an acrobat. So I've, <laughs> I've plucked this from somewhere. <laughs> How's this? How, I'm going to read the whole like quote.
0: Grayson, I'm going to read
1: the whole quote here. Fry's party trick was to leap from a stationary position on the floor backwards onto a mantelpiece... <laughs> He would face the mantelpiece, crouch down, take a leap upwards, turn in the air, and bow to the gallery with his feet planted on the shelf. Persuasion would occasionally get him to perform this turn at country houses, much to the interest of the (laughs) guests.
0: Well, so okay He's already a champion High jumper And long jumper Put him together Gets you on a mantelpiece Gets face. you on a
1: mantelpiece
0: Gets you gets you the throne of Albania Could he do it With
1: the brandy in his hand Well <laughs> That's how he broke The world record In long jump I mean he Made 94 fucking First class hundreds Average 50 oh. Uh Imagine that. What a, I mean, honestly, That's fair dinkum, what a life. He died in 1956, the, the Olympic year in Melbourne, six years after retiring from writing at age 84. So he kept working until he was <laughs> 78. Uh, yeah, and all that, for all of that, uh, back in 1911, not towards the end of his uh, professional cricketing career, but towards the end of his England career, he clocked his highest score, 258 for Hampshire, in a match where Gilbert Jessup just happened to make twin tons as well. What <laughs> a life, CB Fry. Oh,
0: the ticking clock of mortality. It would really hit you the day that you couldn't jump onto a mantelpiece anymore, you know? <laughs> the day you're like, oh, that mantelpiece is a bit too high for me. Imagine I mean, that.
1: honestly, even if like 30% of that is bullshit or yeah. exaggerated, yeah, and that probably is right, I mm. mean, it's hard to... Yeah, hard to, yeah, In the absence of evidence, a lot of that stuff mm. that I read out there is probably fabricated in some way. But brilliant all the same. Brilliant. Imagine, yeah,
0: imagine the stories that would exist about David Warner if he had lived in an age with no... Mm. Digital recording, no photographs, no ability to put things down. They, it, everything relied on like two dudes who wrote shit down 15 years later yes. by hand. And you're like, this is the entire record. This is the, the
1: history of the, the yeah. life of Dave Warner, who by the way, I didn't mention this on the weekly show and it'll be it it'll be by the time we're at Richard daily show with Shaheen Sharafridi today when he went out to the middle and started peeking under the covers and he realised he was going to get in trouble. So we got Shaheen to come and join him to lift the covers with him. <laughs> David Warner is in. Amazing Nick at the moment as a human being uh, enjoy the last chapter his career would be my recommendation uh, Ooh, deep breath right.
0: well done well done we've got a double header to follow Michael Holden and Mark Bagworth uh, the ultimate Sydney ambassador Mark Bagworth <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> best way to want to shape no what's, <laughs> uh, what's a uh, what's a Mark what's a Mark <laughs> Bagworth Um 515 <laughs> <laughs> Five dollars fifty-three in the AUD. That's the number. So five five three. I'm having a look at Mark who who had a two oh seven previously, and I I dug through. Hopefully the the. Final word, Nerd Pledge Project will unearth this because I couldn't find out what we spoke about. I know we've talked about Keith Stackpole and NASA's saying making 207s before. The run out
1: that wasn't for Mm. Keith Stackpole, or the other way around, he should have been given out on the first day. It was on the back page of the paper the next day with him being two feet out and uh, he resumed to make 207 and define that test match.
0: So Mark says that he drives past Brick Lane twice a day, five days a week on his commute. Uh, He's been enjoying their pale ale and he will shout us one next time we're both in Melbourne. Um, So that's a great start. also, a pure coincidence, Mark came out of the hat and he oh. we're going to shout him one first. Go on, he can go there and collect it. He can go there and collect it himself. He can go himself. there and collect it himself. He'll be the first visitor who can rock up to Brick Lane and say, put it in the back of my car. Yes. Uh, this is the slab, so there's a slab giveaway uh, where you get to give it away, whoever wins it. You can give it to whoever you want, including yourself, as long as that person is in Australia. And Mark, this is you. You can get a case of, of the pails and, and pop them in your fridge.
1: Outstanding. I realise now that um, there's a bit of crossover here, but with the numbers that um, we have to go back for, Michael Holden has been instrumental to...
0: His project. He's, he's the got, instigator. He's the instigator. So well, he, little do they know they've both yeah. got the same number. Mark and, and Michael, a few people asked me to help set this up a few months ago and I said I would and then I didn't because I'm unreliable. Um, and so Michael was like, right, I'm just going to do it myself. So he's on it and I will um, contribute shortly. But, yeah, if you can tell me what Mark's number was, Michael, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, then then that would be great. But let's deal with the 553. Uh, there have been some horrible test matches With teams making 553 uh, The most interesting one Is the time that New Zealand made it After Hadley did his thing at the Gabba in 85 I think this is interesting Because I know we've talked about the 9 for 52 a lot Including maybe earlier on this show even I think I mentioned Vaughan Brown Maybe on the Shane Warne show 9 for 52 It feels like in In memory it always feels like It should have happened in the fourth innings You know but it happens in the first innings. Right. It's, it's Australia getting all out for 179. Okay. And even that doesn't guarantee anything because, you know, um, New Zealand aren't always the most reliable batting side. But Martin Crowe makes 188. John F. Reid, yes. not the famous John R. Reid, makes 108. And Vaughan Brown, who, the guy who takes the other wicket that Hadley doesn't get with Hadley taking the catch, he makes 36 not out batting very slowly with, with Crowe, very sensibly. And then Richard Hadley gets to come in. And belt 54 from 45 balls and hit yeah. three
1: sixes. And, and remember, we, we spoke about the John Fulton-Reed innings. Uh, 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 oh, it was a while ago now. Yeah. I think it was when Jeremy Coney was in England last year and I asked him about John Reed and he he, he, was, he was lavish in his praise of what he did with Martin Crowe. Like, kind of what you're pointing to there, that despite what Hadley's achieved to start the Test match, yeah. it can still go It can go to pot, it can mm. cap for nothing. And it was that partnership with Crowe and Reed that, that got them to a very good place.
0: So it's it's five five three for seven declared when Hadley gets out, or just after Hadley gets out. So Border and Matthews made hundreds for Australia, but Hadley takes another six for seventy one. They win by an innings. Uh, another thing, the five for fifty three could be what well, could be a five for fifty three, uh, which is what Glenn McGrath took in the second innings at Lords. You know, five as yeah. Adam has um, told his story about scalpers before. Well, the other thing that leapt out at me, Adam, it just. Maybe because of where we are in the world, this seemed more apt. Nathan Horowitz. um, Ritzy. He debuted at the Work, Rest and Play Stadium, the uh, the Day Stadium, in 2004. Um, Keeps the doctor away. That was the fourth test of the series. Um, It had already been decided. India won the last one in a thriller as a consolation win on a, a goat track where they bowled out the Australians chasing 107. Horowitz, three for and two for. And, you know, you'd imagine at that point he thinks... I will go okay, I have taken some wickets, you know, it's not one for 150, Um, things will get better. But it took more than five years before he got more than three in an over and I remember it being this real thing that Nathan Horowitz has never taken a five-wicket bag um, up until that summer of 2009 2010
1: yeah and he takes a five to finish off Pakistan at the G uh, in the, that series of oh nine, 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 10. 10. Yep. and I was there for that and it was a it was a really big deal and a really big breakthrough mm-hmm. um, and you know it was and, and, and most importantly it came after he didn't get to play at the end of the 9 Ashes series And yep. in what wash Whitewash, bredo does a great job of explaining all of this but it was a real marker and I know it didn't last forever or even for much longer for Horrocks but that was really important I think you know, mm-hmm. it gives him some fulfilment that was probably lacking
0: after what happened in 9 when he was ludicrously left out of that final test team yeah exactly that um, so he, he takes that fiver in the fourth innings at Melbourne and then he does the same thing the next Sydney's week right. in the fourth dig at Sydney uh, Mohamed Amir wasn't playing in that test but it did still feature someone but <laughs> two miles at Anish Canaria and mohammed Asif. So back we come to the most uh, uh, enthusiastic uh, enthusiasts yes. of the last um, few years. That's quite
1: the, quite the era for Pakistan cricket, mm-hmm. isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. just that 12 to 18-month period. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're in much better, Nick now. Uh, I'm going to talk about Michael. Holden Now I really enjoyed this This was fun The clue And the only clue Was I needed to go back To his first international game uh, That he'd been to And he supplied me With some photographic evidence And said go for it have some fun uh, so he's in a blue t-shirt his sister's in a wide brim hat and they're holding up a banner they've painted together saying hello Hampton hello <laughs> dot dot dot
0: Hampton oh, it's very Roy in HG isn't it hello Bolivia
1: hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great photo and and uh, what I like about it is the, the the screenshot it's clearly sort of taped
0: off the telly when he's hit pause even better. yeah. oh uh, you can see the old um, Foxtel yes. pause bit down in the yes, bottom so
1: I'm not sure whether that's still on Foxtel but I detected that as well <laughs> There are loads of Australian shirts from the 1980s around him, so I I thought this has to be before the Toyota days of Mm -hmm. the 90s, otherwise the Hello Hampton would have a a logo on there. By the way, speaking of signs in Australian crowds, I had the great privilege of spending some time this morning with Iqbal Munir, who is the foremost uh, Pakistani cricket photographer, and he covered the the era of Imran Khan closer than anybody. He thinks he's got up to 2 million frames floating around of Imran Khan. I mean, it's extraordinary, Mm -hmm. really. But he, one of his... Books was a was a catalogue of the uh, 1992 World Cup. It's it's really a, quite amazing. Like, I really want to get a hold of this and share it around. He isn't sure how many are still in print, but, but you know, where there's a will, there's a way, kind of thing. And one of the photos in there shows all the banners that are lined up across the second deck of the Southern Stand for the World Cup final, and they were quite punchy. There's one up there about um, sort of Imran Khan. It's like Imran sex god. Both them. Um, Food hog, I think it says <laughs> something like that. Oh. Uh, so uh, yeah, so there was a time when, okay. and you know, and I've said before on on here that um, in Inside Edge magazine in two thousand and two, uh, from the 0203, uh, at one day is at the G. In fact, probably the one day where Warney did his shoulder. Come to think of it, there was a sign in the crowd saying a picture of Warney uh, painter saying, "Hey, Goff suck me off," and there's a pic- <laughs> and, and and they've and they've drawn on, they've drawn they've drawn Gar- Darren Goff on his knees, lating Shane Warne, Oh, what a feeling down the side with the Toyota.
0: <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. that's uh, all, all hand painted on a bed sheet. Yeah, someone there really. There was a tie. Someone really. I wonder if they still have it. You know, I wonder hey, if they hung it up at home. Me off. I'll, I'll send it to you. I've got it on my <laughs> I computer. I wonder, wonder if they put it in up fact, on the what living room. Why don't I bring it up or or now? If
1: I put it in here into my computer where we're sitting together, goff, there's a decent chance. Yeah. This will come up in the search terms. Just a oh, what nice do you know? Picture of umpire Michael. What do you, what do you know? It's the first thing here, and I, I've called it "Hey Goff" in the same way that you've got your "Hey Watson." I've got my, and this was screen crabs many, okay. many years ago. Here it is, Jeff. Enjoy. What do you make of this piece of art?
0: <laughs> okay, well it's less explicit than I than I thought. They've <laughs> used they've used the angles. Let's just say it's um it's VHS R rated <laughs> rather than online. You know they've they've well, used I like the they angles.
1: Warny yeah. with hair all over his legs. Mm-hmm. Just with his Australian shirt on, with the with the, and then Goff number eight, and then hey mm-hmm. Goff sucked me off, and then oh, what a feeling with the with the Toyota yeah, for the I'm sure, O's.
0: Sure, Toyota were very appreciative of that. So, so was the was the go that you would win a prize from Toyota if you had them best on of the, the day, sign. Okay.
1: best of the day. Yeah. So if yet, I wonder if that won. But I love the fact that made the magazine. I, I doubt anyway.
0: that it won that day. I feel that Toyota would have understood um, that that was potentially a problem for this them. Is, Even then,
1: this is a diversion for you, Michael. But mm. I, I suspect you probably quite enjoyed that. So feels like a one-day international. Looking at the crowd, mm-hmm. I can also detect. The White Picket Fence, which mm-hmm. might be helpful as we work our way through. Hampton is in South Australia. We know that Michael's from Adelaide so yeah, it all adds up. Adelaide Oval looking at the 80s and boom and and not long after that I mm-hmm. realised that what we're actually talking about is someone else uh, that came up on Storytime very recently, Bruce Reid. We keep coming back to Bruce Reid. Mm-hmm. Michael tells me, it's from a weekend in Adelaide, he subsequently told me this when I couldn't quite work out where he was at, where there were back to back one days, which was very common in the glory days of the Tri Series with mass attendances. We were talking about tickets, weren't we, on the most recent story time? And, you know, back to back on the weekend, they were the hottest tickets in town. You know, Australia would play at least one, obviously. But, well, in 1986, on Australia Day, 26th of January, that must be when Michael was there with his sister. So, Australia on the 26th. Make 262 for 8. A young Steve Waugh. Top scores with 81 from 75. Mm-hmm. Sign of things to come. Then hometown legend Flipper. By the way, if you want to read about Wayne Phillips, uh, Google uh, Shannon Gill's marvellous piece uh, that he did with him recently on ESPN. I strongly recommend it. It's Wayne B Phillips, not Wayne N Phillips.
0: Yes, that's uh, right. John F. Reed the, and
1: John R. Reed. The Flipper made 23 not out uh, from mm. eight balls at the end on his home ground. Classic. India set. 263 in early strife after McDermott takes three wickets. But then down at second change in comes in comes big Bruce Reed. Uh, he, he runs through them and he takes five for fifty-three. It includes Vensaka, then Azura Din. They're both caught by Alan Border. Gets Gavaska, gets Kapil. Uh, yeah. It's a big old day for Bruce Reed. Mm-hmm. Bowl them out for two twenty-six. He takes five for fifty-three. Man of the match. All's looking pretty good in the world for Australian cricket at that point. Well, maybe too good. Maybe they had a big night on the gas in Adelaide because the next day they rock up for the second game of their um, doubleheader in late January when it's pretty bloody hot in the City of Churches and New Zealand take 7 for 276 from them. John Bracewell was out first ball of the game. We were talking about Uh, John Bracewell on our most recent story time when he took 6 for 32 ...against Australia to win a Test match. Well, not so much this time, but, yeah, the New Zealanders cracked on. Jeremy Coney made uh, 40 off 34 in the end, and uh, and uh, Bruce Reid took three for... ...but in reply with the bat, all-out 70. Flipper top-scored with 22, and only he and David Boone made it to double figures... They're bowled out in 26.3 overs to lose by 206 runs, the worst ever defeat for Australian one-day internationals. And that would remain the case until the 481 day uh, in 2018 uh, when uh, they lost by 242. Uh, nevertheless, they still uh, won the comp, top of the group, and, and all the rest of it, with Mo Matthews uh, finishing his golden summer, another gilly reference there, because he wrote all about this particular summer uh, where Mo Matthews was was the man around Australian cricket. I should specify but by that... You mean Shannon Gill, not Adam Gilchrist? Yes, that's true. Yes. I, yes. The, the Gilly I was referring to before, mm. uh, lovely rider. But yes, an eventful weekend for Michael Holden and his sister from Hampton, South Australia. But they were only at one of them, mercifully. They were only there for the, the Bruce Reed <laughs> 5.53 50, and luckily they weren't there for the next day when Australia were all at 70. But yeah, happy times in the Tri-Series in the mid-80s at Adelaide Oval.
0: Well deduced. If you had asked me, I could have told you that Michael Holden must have been at Adelaide Oval because I met him there when you were recording a video with Mark Hussey. When we were at Adelaide oh, right. over last summer, <laughs> that sounds like to right. He came up for yeah. a chat, yeah. um, so that would have been where he was. Going to be you next time. Hi, I'm Ian Chapel. You're listening to the Final Word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon.
1: Well, two more to go. Okay, sounds good. Uh, another double header. You, you found a few of these this week, Jeff. Nicely done. Uh, three forty-one, uh, Connor Prendergast pledged in euros and Richard L in USD. Can you remember who was the original pledger and who was the who who, who got tagged in on this
0: one? I think I think Connor comes up. Can you remind new listeners how you
1: jump the queue in Story? Yes. Time?
0: So there's only one way to jump the queue. You uh, if you put in a number, you go in the queue uh, brand new people. We we get on within about three months. That's the aim. You can change your number and be on it as many times as you want. In that case, sometimes it takes a bit longer. But the only, the only way to hop up the queue is to have the same number as someone who's near the top. In that case, we do a double header because maybe the answer we've got for one person ends up being the answer for the other person. Mm. It just makes sense. You know it makes sense. Slamming Sam Keckovich. The fat. Is bad? <laughs> of course it's not.
1: Uh, okay, no. so let's start with Richard. You're going to take Richard in, in the USD, Richard L. Three four one three forty one is the combined strike rates of two of the greatest cricketers of all time in a match I witnessed in person in the US in a losing cause. Indeed, the first wicket taken was from
0: one of them, one ball after he had hit a six literally over my head. Okay, well, this is kind of perfect that this came up because this is Shane Warne and Sachin Tendulkar <laughs> in the All-Star Series that they played at the baseball grounds in uh, 2015. Now, yep. this did my head in that it was this recently. Like, yeah. 2015. When we were in the Caribbean doing the test matches yeah. over there, we were checking in and saying...
1: What is going on yeah. in America right now? Like 45,000 people going yeah.
0: to Dodger Stadium or whatever it is to watch Ferenda Sawag beat up Courtney Walsh. Or, you know, they they got decent teams uh, together. And now I know I've said this before. I know I've said this before on the show that I think someone has got their number ever so slightly wrong and my answer is right. But I think this is actually the case this time because this can't be anything else, all right? So Richard's number is 341. He wants it to be the combined strike rate of two great players, two of the greatest cricketers of all time in a match, right? All right. So the third match in Los Angeles, playing on the baseball ground, as, as, a, as I mentioned, Sachin Tendulkar is opening the batting, makes 56 of 27 balls. Suraf Ganguly comes in and makes 50 from 37 balls. They hit nine sixes between them. Sachin's strike rate is 207. Ganguly's strike rate is 135. That adds up to 342. (laughs) Richard's number is 341. Okay. The team makes 219 for five. This is in a T20 game. And uh, with two balls to go, Shane Warne hits a six to win it. Takes his team to 224 for six. Excellent. The last bit, the bit about... uh, getting out just after hitting a six directly over Richard's head. Sachin Dendulkar did indeed get out one ball after hitting Daniel Vittori for a six. Uh, tried to go again the next ball and the left-arm spinner had him stumped. But I went through every other All-Stars game and there is no other combination of strike rates in any of those games from any of those players that adds up to anything even close to 340. And I think that in terms of saying great cricketers, Tendulkar and Ganguly fit the bill. Tendulkar out one ball after hitting a six. It's got to be it. Please.
1: I agree. Uh, That must be the case. So uh, let us know, Richard. We'll confirm, I should say, that... Well, it's kind of weird in a way, isn't it? Confirm that you're wrong and that Jeff's right, (laughs) will you? Meanwhile, Connor Prendergast has given me a free swing at the same number, 341 in euros. Um, it, I, I originally, when I picked this up and started researching it, saw Saka Bulgari made that 341 in mm. the Ranji Trophy, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, the 22 year old on Dabu. But looking for his company on that score, I found Craig Spearman. And I've had an interest in Craig Spearman's career, and not mm. just because it sounds like Spearmint Milk. <laughs> um, 341. Uh, is what he made for Gloucestershire against Middlesex in
0: 2004. <laughs> now, Craig Mention Spearman. You, you know, Spearman your comment. mum asks what you want when you go, go down to the shops, Miss hears it, comes home with Craig Spearman. Yeah, you know. well, we, well, put it this way. That's
1: kind of what happened in county cricket. Is it? Let me elaborate. Okay. He became a total legend at Gloucestershire unexpectedly. So he had this career in New Zealand where he played for the national team between 1995 and 2001. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to advance my other job which is in banking in the UK got himself a job in the UK and moved over and retired in like his mid to late 20s and he thought that was it for cricket because you know he was doing this other thing and and that took precedence for him but John Bracewell who we mentioned before at first ball in the one dayer Mm -hmm. mentioned last week for his six for 32 he was coaching gloss at the time and said to Craig Spearman want a game down at Bristol he's like yeah I do actually Now, for my part, I remember this well, uh, this era well for Gloucestershire, because A, Ian Harvey was playing there, and B, the Hudson brothers, who I mentioned on the Warney Tribute, who are my great mates from out at Sirencester, they loved the man and couldn't stop talking about this champion New Zealander who was winning them game after game. And yes, it all makes sense, because he went to Gloucestershire in 2002, which is kind of peak Victor Trumper time and he retired um, in 2009. He made 19 centuries in 101 first class games and 28 other scores above 50. So he was super effective. The game in question, the triple ton was in 2004, the season when he struck 1,462 runs with four tons. So big seasons there over at Bristol seven other List Day centuries in that glory era uh, he played in the two uh, NatWest Trophy wins in, in 2003 and 2004 and just going back to that 3 four, one, it broke grace's record as the highest score for gloucestershire a 128 year record and this new Zealanders just rocked up and broke it and and this
0: is a guy who didn't want to play cricket anymore He didn't then, want to play anymore is it, was it just because they were paying him was well, he I like mean, i don't have to do this over the winter I I, I I don't quite know how this sequence is but
1: presumably the county season's 5 months he must have had a an employer who was happy for him to you know keep playing county cricket hmm. i mean that's not with that you know, people have done that. They have yeah. kind of managed careers. I suppose he's one of the last to do it, though. Right. So he managed his transition. Probably didn't
0: train much in the winter.
1: <laughs> I don't suppose he did. I, he wouldn't have played much cricket living up in London, I guess. Yeah. And then down to play uh just Rocked Bristol, up in May and in peeled when. off tons. Peeled off tons for laughs. So just on that, that grace record, he had a higher score in first class cricket 344 but that was for the MCC in 1876 against Canterbury okay but his gloss triple in the same season was against Yorkshire at Cheltenham and he made 318 not out I've, I've seen Gloucestershire play at Cheltenham many many years ago with the aforementioned Hudsons Spearman's 341 was also at an outground at called the Archdeacon Meadow in Gloucestershire proper so the actual middle of Lost mm-hmm. uh, just 15 first class games there uh, one every year from 1993 until 2008 And has a has a triple ton there When you think about how infrequently you see triple tons in first class cricket The fact that they, they snagged one in just 15 games is not for nothing hmm. The year before they also had Mike Hussey Peeling off 264 there uh, when, when North Hats visited. There's a couple of 8 as well. So, an eventful ground. Maybe they should bring first class cricket back to Archdeacon Meadow. A remarkably high scoring game, though. Middlesex 383 with Kluzner smacking 63. What an era, by the way. Just, you know, Lance Kluzner rocking up playing county cricket. Awesome mm-hmm. era. And then Gloucestershire 695 for 9 in just 149 overs. So, that 341 only took 390 balls to accumulate. Six sixes there. Shahab Malik, who we mentioned before, he 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 was playing in that game and Mm. made a duck So (laughs) his longevity on show once more Paul Weeks Who I've hit for a six uh, Took two for 62 Uh, Everton Weeks's Nephew I think Blake I knew A little bit At at, Hampstead Many years ago Uh, Middlesex Make 358 The second time uh, As well uh, With Weeks O.A. And Ed Joyce All making 50s And Gloucestershire Had just enough time To polish off The 46 that ended For victory On the final evening With Spearman There at the end On 29 not out His career ended In 2008 When his eye Got whacked With a bouncer So it didn't end Perfectly for him, but uh, he gave it away in 2009. But yeah, a remarkable second chapter, an unexpected second chapter, mm. and the best couple of days of it were when he, when he smacked 341 against Middlesex in 2004.
0: That is very, very good. And that is the end of our section of new numbers. If you want to send us a number for story time, Go to patron.com slash the final word. You can get on the show. You can stand a very good chance of winning the Brick Lane giveaway and you can help us keep making the program.
1: That indeed you can. Uh, Jeff, we have enough time to do a few confirmations and we're going to wrap this up and go to dinner. Uh, the first of those is 1690 from Angus Dixon. Jeff, you explained in extraordinary detail uh, why this had to do with the origin of reverse swing. I'm not going to even try and summarise why. Maybe you should hear The astray. Reynolds number. The, the Reynolds, Reynolds number, number
0: is the, the, the point at which uh, smooth laminar flow becomes turbulent flow as air moves over the surface of an object. Yeah, so actually the confirmation hasn't arrived
1: formally yet here, but our pal Julian, who's the History of Netherlands curator, who we'll be seeing in June, hopefully, if, if I get over there for those one dayers, has been in the chat saying it must be right. And a really good chat that played out there on Discord between Matt at the Gabba and Dono, who swung it big and Bob reversed too, probably, and George Norman, who dug out an article that explains it all. Clarissa explains it all, if you like. A Twitter follower of mine there. Uh, Melissa Trainhart, my best follower. But. Um, <laughs> But uh, yes, uh, I think this is, yes, if I've got my notes correctly, this is from Julian, Jeff, who's added a bit more information for you.
0: Julian has, so basically I worked out that it was the Reynolds number but I wasn't quite sure where 1690 came into it. I knew that it was there at some point. Julian's found a, a paper uh, which the great th- physicist, I don't know what people who do this thing are, what, 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 <laughs> what field they're in, but um, Scoby who's been doing a lot of work on this, says that at higher Reynolds numbers, uh, RE equals 1.69 times 10 to the power of 5, the laminar separation bubble reattaches downstream and a turbulent separation angle can be identified around theta T minus 130 degrees. Now, I don't know what that means, but I do know that it contains 169 uh, which is what the number was originally, 1690. Yeah, 169 times 10 to the power of
1: 5 would be the same as 16.90, he goes on to say. Now, with the decimal point moved four to the right as per the clue. Okay. So if I'm reading it right, it marks the critical moment when swing changes direction from conventional to reverse. Love it. Beautiful work, all involved in that. You absolute freaks. Uh, next is 6.32, Sean Pollitch. Uh We said John Bracewell, 6 for 32. He gets a fourth mention on Storytime <laughs> today. Uh, it was correct. Sean tells us he. Grew up in auckland now he's in brisbane hence the currency he remembers uh, when he bowled uh, alan border as the big moment in that defining spell
0: joseph ryan's 421 says uh, the figures taken by the chicken farmer edo branders in albury in the world cup is correct adam you mentioned the new south wales england game dad took me to that match where greg matthews received quite a bit of sledging from my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and he also says here that Lavington has all these notable events like
1: Israel Folau's first AFL game uh, and all sorts of other bits and pieces. And I should say, by the way, that Jared Kimber, I didn't listen to this until very recently, made a brilliant podcast in his Double Century series about that very game where Brandis takes four for 21. So if okay. you like what Jared does, go back and, and find that and learn more about Edo Brandes and the fact that he was best mates with Graham Hick.
0: Who knew? Jared knew. Sean O'Carroll, uh, the 250 on the dot is indeed what Bangladesh made in Cardiff in 2005. Sean says, as an England fan, I remember that match so vividly and it led to me having an ongoing soft spot for Bangladesh, eventually getting out there in 2014. A shame that Ashraful never scored the runs to match the potential. Yes, and we all have a soft spot for Bangladesh on this show. That we
1: do. Uh, 96, Jeff, you finally got there for Jeremy Brown. Uh, all 96 wickets have uh, yeah worn his last series is a 2006-07 whitewash. I loved hearing you come up, Trumps. As I said, I started as an intern the next summer and haven't been able to watch every ball since. A nice way to go out for a very blinkered Australian fan. Beautiful.
0: Andrew Turner says 5.67 was indeed Liam Botham's debut of 5 for 67. After we saw him, says Andrew, we thought it might be the beginning... Of something great, but unfortunately not to be. His son James now plays rugby for Cardiff yes. and Wales.
1: Yes, he does. I I, I saw him uh, playing for Wales recently. Four twenty-eight, Crispin Crunch. I said Kim Hughes' four wins in 28 tests as captain. I was very happy with that. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. And such a great summary and story. I can't thank you enough for putting so much of my early teens into adult context. That sounds a bit, <laughs>
0: bit warny and Darren God.
1: <laughs> such a great telling of the Hughes story. Uh, Cheers, Crispy. Uh, It was lovely to go back and and add a bit more to that because we refer to Kim Hughes a bit, but we sort of sometimes, I don't think, get him quite right. And yeah, um, a chance to add a bit more there um, was worthwhile, I think.
0: And Rich Turner, which would also be a way of describing Shane Warne, uh, said we were (laughs) correct with 407. uh, That's what... England made at Edgbaston on day one of 2005. Too easy for Jeff, says Rich. Rookie error on my part uh, the series that got many an English person excited about the game. Indeed, no, Rich. There is no such thing as too easy. The point is to tell the stories, not to make us wonder for seven weeks what the clue means. I couldn't put it better
1: myself. Hey, Jeff, we should wrap it up because uh, we've got a dinner to go to with mm-hmm. the, the King of Karachi. Uh, this has been, and which isn't Java Miandad, by the way. <laughs> Java Miandad's the King of Karachi, last yes. time I checked. This is the final word story time. We love making this. Pepsi be part hat. of it.
0: Give us a Pepsi hat. Give, give us an give I, love us I love New York, New York hat. hat. I
1: desperately <laughs> want to meet Javid while I'm here. This is great. Love doing this. Uh, we're together next week as well on story time. Then we'll be separated again. But uh, looking forward to recording another edition between the Karachi and Lahore test matches. Thanks for all of your comments and sharing of the show, be it the dailies, the weeklies and so on. We'll be back with you for for the daily show It's possible it's just come out After the first daily show Of the Karachi Test
0: Who knows Who knows Time means nothing Time anymore Time
1: means nothing When you're recording every day uh, Thank you to our friends At Brick Lane Thank you to our friends uh, At Woodstock And especially All of our pals On the Discord page Who contribute via Patreon You make our world go round You keep our lights on Literally In, in some cases um, Alright right, we'll do it all again soon Love ya Bye Bye
0: I had to go about